everybody, Delphina here. If you're listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Meg's adventure fantasy webcomic Sorcery Shenanigans, because it's launched into its final chapter! Our ragtag group of friends battle the ancient magic of a powerful satyr. How will they prevail? Head on over to SorceryShenanigans.com to read the thrilling finale as it unfolds. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the episode. Tones, where we talk anything and everything webcomics. Today, we're going to be talking about something very, very different than what we normally talk about. We're going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons and webcomics. I'm Rennie, I use she, they pronouns, and I make the webcomic Kate Blast. And I'm Delphina, I use she, her pronouns, and I make the webcomic Zombulus. Hey, I am Nat, and I am the one part of the Snackback Studios duo. And I'm Q, the other part. I use she, her pronouns. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot those. I am a she, they, and we're making the webcomic Wayfinders, of course. Which is based on D&D. Thank you so much, you two, for joining us this week. We're very excited to have you on. There are many inspirations for a fantasy webcomic. And one that has a huge amount of influence is tabletop RPGs. Uh, the largest and biggest behemoth of which is Dungeons & Dragons, or D&D for short. You may have a campaign with a small group of friends. You may enjoy one of the many large, successful tabletop RPG podcasts out there. And it's impacted the world of comics, too. So we're so today, we're going to talk about it. Um, so what is y'all's experience with uh, playing tabletop RPGs? And what kinds of inspirations have you taken from them into your own work? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, my high school and college friends got into D&D in the 3.5 days um, and eventually branched off into Pathfinder and the White Wolf systems and other homebrew stuff. Um, And it's just, I don't know, it, it was really fun because it's such a fun activity to get into when you have a big group of people. Maybe not everybody's skilled at video games or has the money to go out on outings, but you're all really big nerds and you want to do something cooperative together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I was a fan of a lot of anime and like video game RPGs where I'm uh, more consuming someone else's story or going on a, a story with, with rails um, that the creators wanted me to go on. Um, but tabletop RPGs, those were my first taste with like actually kind of determining my own path with character interactions and, uh, you know, coming up with a person with cool fighting abilities or powers and just seeing how they approached problems. And there was a lot of overlap with that and creating my own story for a webcomic. I think it it really appeals to a lot of people 
regardless of what skill they're at, because how much of a framework the rule books provide for you when you're just starting out. And I think in making a character with the tool set of the rule books, it also introduces you to a concept of balancing your characters as you build them. Because, you know, you only have a certain amount of points. You're going to roll the dice in certain ways, um, depending on the system. That might determine whether you're good or bad at things, and you have to put your points in certain places. You can't have somebody who's good at everything. And even if you do gradually level and get better, a good DM will be there to make sure that the cool things that you make your characters do are offset or matched by the challenges that are thrown at them. So that concept kind of elevates it beyond, well, I'm going to make a sword guy who's super cool and <laughs> they're going to they're going to fight the dragons and, and, and do stuff like that. That was kind of level one when you're in, in school or something and you're playing with your friends and, on the playground. But now you're actually kind of trying to build a cohesive narrative with other people. And um, and that was really cool. That that was something that really inspired me in in making comics yeah i think i think the the whole balancing act that it helps introduce you to is so important because one of the one of the major pitfalls that you can have in any kind of storytelling medium is when you make someone a little too overpowered or too good at everything it kind of take can take away a lot of aspects from the storytelling itself so giving something that the character has to struggle through or strive through is so important for us we both started our role-playing journey way earlier with for me text-based role-play and for me i uh, i was doing role-playing with my friends without a system but we would sit around and make stories together in this kind of same way you know we would play in character and then we would make up these scenarios and but most of it was just like character interacting and then we found you know made fun little like oh and then there's a demon invasion how would everyone do in that yeah and you know they had children and we made them date (laughs) yes important (laughs) so we didn't do that together but then uh, when we met later in life we started playing through a system dnd 5 5e dnd fifth edition to be exact. Uh, at this point, we were basically living together and I decided I wanted to try giving DMing a go, that is to say controlling the story. And Nat and our partner Lini was uh, on board. And a friend. And a friend. And that's what became Wayfinders, of course, later. It's actually Q's very first campaign. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's really daunting to take this thing that we played with together around the table and then turning it into this epic comic. But it's really fun. And I think that the whole storytelling aspect makes it very compatible with web comics because you can go with sort of an episodic structure um it's very loose and you already sort of have a world and universe that you're working with and a framework that you can take so you're not necessarily starting from scratch and and that can be really a really helpful tool especially for someone who's like maybe making one of their first comics or stories um they can they can take some of their experiences from that one of my personal favorites uh favorite aspects of uh, tabletop games like that is it teaches you a lot of skills in improvisation 
and going yes and with uh, the story. And that helps sort of nail down where where you want to go, but also explore different options from the point of view of your own characters. Uh, help and get into really into the world that it's set in. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I really appreciate the like, yes, and aspect of it, because I think um, there's a cooperative aspect, right? You want to make sure that that everybody is having a good time at the table. So it's important to listen to everybody. Exactly. And also, I, I remember when the queue was setting up the world and she asked about our characters. There's a big part of world building and character choice that plays together really nicely when you get to work with actual people around a table improv style. As a GM, I get to take my players' choices and incorporate them into the world building. And as players, I get to play the ball back to them, and then they get to make choices based on that. It's a really fun way to make a story that feels real and where the choices feel like actual choices and not just plot points. It can really also help you get out of your own head, too, because someone else might have a completely different solution to the same problem that you're facing in the game. And it really helps open up perspectives that you wouldn't have necessarily considered, especially when you're really getting into the role of your own character. For sure. Absolutely. I was building a world and you said what? I want my character to be made in a lab. <laughs> Specifically, let me reiterate. Nat said, Q, I want to play a half-elf. And I was like, sure, a half-elf. And Nat said, no, 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 no. Half-human, half-elf. <laughs> sewn together with parts. Split down in the middle. lab. And I was like, I guess we have labs now. And it became such an integral part of the world building that it informed the entire plot start to finish. I love this. And I love the fact that you were able to adapt and kind of just make it all work together because that's the thing. Like, I feel like when you're making OCs in isolation, you're kind of forming them like just sterile sort of thing. And you, you don't really know how they're going to fit into the world, but then like you have to come up with a way if you're the DM, you have to. Precisely. And also for, for Sally again, um, when I when you roll you roll for their stats, you know how good they are at things like strength and dexterity and intelligence and stuff. And when I rolled out her her dice, I got some very good ones and some very very bad ones. And I chose to put the bad ones in her intelligence and wisdom, which played such a huge part in how she became because she had like. Incredible charisma, but it's dumb <laughs> as a door. So how do you play? And also, <laughs> can you know read situations and people or books or books? <laughs> and how do you manage that and still make her likable and charming and funny? Exactly. So the stat rolling became such a big part of that character. That goes for all the characters in Wayfinders. That's so fun. I love that. And and the idea of being able to like sort of look at the dice and go, okay, what 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 is something that they're bad at? And that really helps can help solidify making a very making your characters more complex and more rich. Uh, because like they have to work with their own flaws, their own weaknesses, lean on others for their strengths where they may not be as successful. And th like that experience of doing that with a uh, tabletop character 
really translates well into creating characters for your comics. Exactly, because suddenly you have some imposed upon you character flaws that you have to work with. It's a really good exercise. But you also had, Nat, you had a thing. Yeah, it was uh, because of the stats, it helped playing part of like, oh, maybe she was made as a half-elf, so she kind of have a little bit of brain damage <laughs> from being put together. You know, <laughs> it kind of talked itself together. Everything informs everything when you're building stories. That's one of the great part of stories. And, and I think uh, there's a quote that I heard recently that I think really applies super well to having sort of that open-minded approach to storytelling the, uh, one of the most famous dungeon masters in the world right now is, uh, is a guy named Matt Mercer. And he has a saying uh, where he, whenever uh, his players try want to try something, he goes, you can certainly try and do that. He's not. It's a case of the world may have its own rules and it has its own structure and how things work. But if a character wants to try something, it's up to the GM to maybe try and find a way to make that work in the universe. And the players can still try and still fail. And those failures can still be really dramatic or hilarious, depending on the context. I, I remember when I was like uh, playing a 3.5 game or something like that. Um, my characters were twin chromatic half dragons. And I wanted them to be able to like throw each other over like walls and like just kind of roll each other around like bowling balls. And so, like, and the DM was just super gracious about this because I re rolled ridiculously high strength and and like okay, and I want them to spit acid at, at the the wagon wheels to crash it, and and so the axles will will. <laughs> will burn and it's just like well i guess that's possible you can roll for it and uh, you know with enough nat 20s anything is possible as a dm i would be so delighted to have a player like you at my table that is so fun <laughs> yes it was such a good campaign i'm sad because it was like one of my friends ex-girlfriend's dad who was running it and he had like years of experience as a dm but like they broke up and i'm just like I'm never going to play that game oh. again. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, one of my favorite recent memories is in uh, my current... So I've played D&D &D for maybe the last about 10 years. And I played... I started with 5e, but now I've dabbled in Starfinder, which is basically the Pathfinder, but in space. And several different one-shot universes, uh, Monster of the Week. And I've also uh, GM'd uh, both 5e and Starfinder. But one of my favorite things recently that really impacted the story was uh, I had a character that was very much curious and wanted to try and find out the ways that this particular world worked. And instead of trying to perform an experiment in their in-room and, and finding out information, they certainly found out information, but... It also blew the cover of the entire party and the roof off the inn and oh. it changed the entire track of the story. And it, 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 and that character ended up getting retired from the group and like just having that impact <laughs> in the story of, yeah, no, this character accidentally did a terrorism. They can't oh, be no. the party anymore. <laughs> it's just, it, it, it's, it's that level of you can ratchet things up as high as you want. And it's so fun. <laughs> but there will be consequences. There will be consequences. 
and have fun with it. Have fun with failure is is just my favorite lesson that I've learned from from tabletop writing. One of my memories was a game that wasn't D&D, but it was, um, I don't remember the setting exactly, but we were on a boat and I hadn't played a lot. And I'm sure you know, when you're new to playing tabletop, you get a little bit terrified of failing and like making stupid choices or looking silly or trying new things. And this was the first time I remember we were in a fight and I asked the DM, hey, can I, can I trip up this pirate? I didn't know you could trip up a pirate, but I asked very politely and she said, yeah, of course you can. You can do anything. That to me was a really defining moment in what you can do with tabletop. Trip that pirate. It's, it seems like such a small thing, but it's so easy, at least for someone like me, to get super caught up in, can I do that? Am I allowed to do that? Or will I look silly and dumb if I do that? But in tabletop, you're allowed to play. And that's so, so fun. That's, that, that, I, I love tabletop so much. I think the other, the other fun thing that I've taken from uh, my experiences with tabletop and and making a webcomic to bring it all back together is I love writing and drawing action webcomics with you know lots of big fight scenes and when I'm planning out those scenes when I'm writing scripts I will take break out my uh, dry erase D and D mat break out some mi- some dice and some minis. And I will try and replicate the fight there, try and visualize. And that really helps with planning and helping get in the space of, okay, I have to interact with not only the characters that are fighting each other, but the environment in which they're fighting in. And as a writing exercise, that is so helpful. That is so fun. What? That's such a good idea. We should do that. Yeah. I know. We're all going to do that now. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And it's an excuse to play more (laughs) D&D. Yeah, true. Always true. Uh, And I think that rolls into our next uh, question really well. Uh, How has the D&D influence or flavor, how is that different from maybe other types of fantasy or genre fiction? And what creative influences do you see working their way into webcomics, specifically from the popularity of tabletop RPGs in general? From from what I can see a bit, you you can see a bit of the... um the races of D&D popping up, even if they are reflavored a bit, you can see some of that like, oh, there's some orcs and there's some tieflings, like demon people, <laughs> uh, gnomes, you know, where it and they look very D&D, you know, in the way that they are dressed in that fantasy style. Straight out of player's handbook. Yeah. So that's <laughs> a way I can, I can see it influence some, some stories. For me, I would say party composition and the way the plots are structured, you know, go to this mission, do that thing, get back, get rewards. You know, there's a certain, um, what's that called? There's just a certain way that a story that someone has to play through is structured that I kind of see. Yeah, I also think like the like every four strangers meet in a tavern like <laughs> that's that's like the classic D and D setup. But um, but you do start seeing it when people like, hey, I have all these disparate OCs that I want to like wrangle into my fantasy adventure. That really did come from D and D. I feel like keyword wrangling. 
There's, there's a wrangle <laughs> element. That's a lot of wrangle. Oh, D&D sure is a wrangler. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's also one of the, the, the influences I've seen is that it also brings people into webcomics who maybe wouldn't have found webcomics before. I remember one of the very first webcomics I remember reading was a comic called Order of the Stick. And it's this stick figure webcomic, but it's always set in the, this D&D party atmosphere. And it's it's so funny, and it's been going for so long too. It's still going, and it's it like people got into that because they liked D and D, and they're like, oh, this is funny, and then it brings people into reading and creating their own web comics. Yeah, uh, Order of the Sticks very classic. I think Goblins was was one of the first ones too that like kind of jumped into the the whole D and D stuff, um, and. Uh, to their uh like to nat and q's point there's just like drows and dragons and and things and they're gonna kind of behave similar to what you see in D, but maybe they've got the the name filed off or they they put their own little twist on them we're not beholders we are not <laughs> they're they're multi-eyeball things <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah legally for legal reasons they are not casting fireball they're casting ball of much fire. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I actually had a point. Yeah. Uh, that actually, when when uh, I, I designed a lot of uh, Wayfinders, how it should look. And when we when I sat down and talked to Q about it, um, making it visually, I tried to take it a bit away from that D&D setting, but it's still having it. Uh, so the main characters are from a country called Calmera and we made that be influenced by Viking looks like old Norse, old Norse. Uh, shape language and stuff mm-hmm. so instead of like the medieval or the very fantasy looking but it would still have that fantasy feel to it but it, the aesthetic was different just to try and make it take it a little bit away from yeah. that yeah yeah, I think that's important too because not everybody who's coming to your comic will be familiar with D&D. And I think now that we're kind of moving into a time where there's so many popular podcasts, you know, Adventure Zone or Critical Role or Dimension 20 that like like people are are seeing things that are comics that are directly based on D&D that like actually have pictures of of people rolling D20s and stuff um like people start feeling like it, it's kind of a double-edged sword right like it can confuse people who are not in that scene and attract people who are into that scene and so you don't want anybody like coming to your comic and like oh i, I don't understand this it must be a d and d thing it's not for me for sure it can alienate or it can include uh pretty equally i think making a comic that is about sitting around a table and playing role-playing games or even using some of that language, you know, that like, aha, you must have rolled with advantage on that one, tongue-in-cheek kind of humor is totally valid, but it's a very different thing from taking inspiration from your campaigns and the choices made therein, and then making it its own thing that is not a tongue-in-cheek reference to tabletop. Does that make sense? Absolutely it does. Uh, The two comics that I think of when I think of this too as to put put next to each other to exemplify this is uh i i have many copies of the adventure zone comic 
which is based on the Adventure Zone podcast. And that very much is knows it's D&D, knows it's 5e. Uh, Griffin McElroy, the DM, pops up on actual pages rolling dice or holding his head like, what are you guys doing? Um, uh, so it, it, it's very forward that it's, it's a game. Uh, whereas a comic like Court of Roses is, you can tell it's it's very 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 much D and D inspired, but like the the it, it's you don't see the hand of God as you would uh, in like uh, a comic that's about people sitting around a table playing D and D. Yes, to both exactly. Yeah, and to your point, I think it is valid to write either way. I think there is an attraction as as people are into these podcasts and stuff. Like, oh, I I know what D and D is. Oh my gosh, this is funny, and it is funny to like see your DM kind yeah. of face palming in the corner of the thing. Like, yeah. yep, that's my DM too. <laughs> but it's you know, it, you do have to kind of know that that's the audience you're writing for. Yeah, I I. Um, you were talking about Court of, Court of Roses, and there was this one D&D podcast I used to listen to that was called uh, Bombarded. And it was like an actual band who all took subclasses in Bard, and they rolled a die that would determine what notes they had to use, and they had to compose a song every episode. Like, it was, there's so much creativity. Oh yeah, it was, it was what? really That's cool. So good. Sorry. That what? Is so wild. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm a bard girl. I'm st- it's Oops, wow. Bards. I got wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, I I lost track of it, but it was a really fun concept. There's so much creativity now out there with all of the the D and D framework, and and I really appreciate that. Like, you can enjoy comics or or creative works that are inspired because of D and D, not in spite of it. Like, you don't have like there's an appreciation now that I don't think was there like 10 or 15 years ago. I totally agree. I can also see in the comments on Wicked on Wayfinders that some of them are really like, you know, they can recognize the D&D in it. Yeah. And that's very fun to see. But you don't have to have played D&D to read it. But it's clear to see that the ones who do get an extra level of like, oh, that's that thing. Or like, you know, it's recognizable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. I love playing D&D and it certainly influenced my choices. But Sombulus is is not really based on a D&D comic. And sometimes like it gets so frustrating because I'm at a convention or something like that. I'm sitting there and I'm saying, hey, you know, do you want to check out my world hopping adventure comic Zombulus? It's about a girl who talks to machines and a paladin and a magician. As soon as I say paladin, as soon as I say paladin, they're like, oh, it's a D&D comic, isn't it? This is based on your D&D campaign. I'm like, um... It's really not. I'm I'm using the paladin archetype. I, I want you to understand, like, during my pitch that it is, like... There is a knight and they are religiously driven and that is part of what they're dealing with in terms of their character. But, it, you know, you it's really not d d they're, they're kind of fishing for an aha, I got you moment. And it's I, like it's tricky. It's, it's a tricky line to walk. And I think sometimes when you lean on those archetypes, like people make assumptions. Rue, also because 
when it is the pitfalls of trying to use your D&D campaign as the setting of your story is that it can get a little inside, <laughs> you know, a lot inside of jokey. In, inside jokey. Um, and because if I were being told, oh, but there is a certain like, especially if you look back those 10 years, you know, you'd be like, ah, oh, that sounds a little, you know, there, there, there was a D&D movie made some years ago. And it was really bad because they didn't understand what it what D and D was. But it was basically that like going out on a boring quest and going back again. And I think if you you can fall into that like aha oh so it's a D and D comic. I think what you're trying to say maybe is that if you <laughs> shady, you were shady. You were basically like D and D comics are cringe. <laughs> cringe is dead. <laughs> that is true. We have. Free. And we made, we're making one. I get to say it. I think. Okay, I think what it boils down to, right, is that you gotta know how to tell a good story. If you don't know how to tell a good story, it doesn't matter if it's based on a good campaign or not. It doesn't matter. The story and the characters has to be good. Otherwise, it's bad. A oh, thousand percent. It's. The, the story still has to come first, especially when you're converting it between mediums, because it is a medium shift, and you're not going to be able to copy it one for one, much like you can't copy the energy and feel of a, reading a comic or a manga into uh, an anime or TV show or movie without making sacrifices. It's just the nature of transferring things between mediums. Editing. We think about editing constantly when we make Wayfinders. Be- you do, mainly. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, just because, I mean, imagine, right? Some, some stuff that is fun to play around a table is not fun to read about in a comic. I think we all know this to be true. I don't need to see 8,000 fetch quests in a webcomic. Exactly. I, uh, like, do, like, you can shorten that to a montage page or two yeah literally two. and it's great and then the gang gets back together and it's like okay we got our shopping list let's go you don't need to show every role play interaction with the market uh the sellers and unless it's literally the potion seller bit where it's you cannot buy my (laughs) strongest potion that's funny but but leave that one in but like the others it's like we don't need to see it so it's it's the rule of like there's there's a similar trope where it's uh it's an actual trope on tv tropes and i forget what the actual name is but it's every piece of media that actually shows their characters going to the bathroom it's like we don't need to know that (laughs) we don't we don't need that it's it's editing it's all editing what can you cut and still keep the most important bits and q has been hard at doing that there's been so much uh, of wayfinders left on the chopping there was a whole tournament it Uh was cut out not important. A lot of shopping. Just a wow. lot of shopping. Lots of NPCs. And oh, these people. I'm sorry. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna <laughs> trash talk my players a little bit. They talk. <laughs> they. they this episode. I. They. I hope they will. Uh, I love them so much. But from episode one, I've started calling them my diplomacy hobos. Because if these people can talk their way out of a situation, they will. And they don't care how long it takes. needless to say i've needed to create some action for them otherwise it's just you know one long yeah and now it's then q 
Q's important job to edit out like which one of these conversations are important. How can we shorten some of them down? So it's like, this is actually the important part that shows character or shows that they move forward. Yep. So we don't have, or else we could already have three books of just It's book just, one. yeah, just meandering and getting to the point. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, I think we kind of romanticize D and D when, like, you're talking about it, like, oh, all the cool things I did. But there's a lot of like downtime and not cool things, and it's it's just like you do have to be judicious. I'm curious about Wayfinders. Like, do your players ever get mad when you cut like their scenes? Like, oh, you cut my scene out from the tournament. Like, I was really cool in that. Why'd you do that? No. Because we are talking about. That's good. I'm happy you say that. I was looking at you like, are you mad? Are you? But but as my co-creator, Nat of course gets to say like, I really think the scene with Sally should definitely definitely be in the comic, <laughs> so you have a little more, you know, a little more power there. It's more the others, you know, Lani, Andre. How are they feeling <laughs> about getting just absolutely chopped? <laughs> It's only Sally now. <laughs> no, I try to be as respectful to the characters as possible, but then also cutting out what needs to be cut. And I think that's my finest job as a creator is to cut what needs to be cut. It's so, that's so important to to balance too, especially when you're working with other people's characters that they created. Um, and that and that's the same with any sort of collaborative work. Yeah, and you also knows what scenes are important. So the scenes I would be sad cutting would not be cut because they're very important to the story. Then there's some scenes we think are fun that will have to be cut because kill your darlings. You all know it. <laughs> it oh, is what it is. Yep. Yeah. And, and at least the the scenes that maybe don't make the cut but are still funny, those can make great bonus content for a Patreon. Ooh, that's true. Businessy. I love it. <laughs> We're figuring that part of this whole thing out still. So what is your advice to someone looking to take their favorite tabletop campaign, their characters or their friends' characters, and turn them into a long-form narrative like a webcomic? Piece of advice number one, find the theme. The theme won't always be apparent until you've made the whole thing, but then you look back and you're like, oh, it was all about this. For Wayfinders, it's connection between people. It always has been. Um... That gives me a red thread that I can cling to in the entire lengthy process of getting this huge campaign down onto paper. That's piece of advice number one. Piece of advice number two, write down every single thing that happens story beat style. Just write it all out because that way your brain doesn't have to hold it. You can hold it in like a document and after that you can start sorting it into bits because then you can go, okay, this is actually an arc. This is an arc. This is an arc. This is an arc. After that, you can start sorting those arcs in terms of what's important according to your theme. And that's just in general, good DM practice to write things down as they happen. Because when you're pre preparing for like the next session or three, and the, there's nothing worse than trying to be like, what did we do two weeks ago? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's it's really good for your brain uh, and your brain space to have all that written down in even in just like shitty note form. 
Yeah. What I like about that, too, is that you're talking about like doing the campaign and, and kind of forming the story and then taking it and kind of carving away at it after. It's kind of more of a subtractive process versus what we talk about sometimes um, when you know, you know you start with an outline, you start with the skeleton and then you build on that. That's an additive process. But like I think there's a beauty in also taking some raw content you know what direction it went you you're and you're kind of carving away and doing that editing work and really structuring it into something better than it was yeah especially since q is an editor by height so, <laughs> so i think this actually works way better for you i love being right i love, <laughs> I love fixing mistakes <laughs> I, I, and and also the beauty about taking a tabletop as your uh, main inspiration is that it's a free first draft, which is great. It's play. You get to have a lot of fun with your friends and you have a free first draft at the end of it. What's not to love? Free first draft. Oh my gosh. I love that. No, but that's how I see it. It's really daunting for me to write a first draft. I'm like, ah, the blank piece of paper can't do it. Yeah. And in that note, we, uh, we actually have another comic. It's not a web comic. But we have another comic uh, that is also <laughs> technically based around D and D because it took some drama that happened in a D and D setting that I really liked. I really liked the tension between some characters that were, mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, what if we set this in modern day Denmark instead? And then I played around with that, and I was like, okay, actually, this is really fun because yeah. I have a big soft spot in my heart for like social dramas, especially like. Scandinavian social dramas <laughs> and I was like oh well this fits and we send it to a publisher and it is going to be published next year yeah oh and that's awesome yeah thank <laughs> you Danish, thank and it you. was all orcs guys it was, <laughs> don't tell us it was all orcs <laughs> but that's the thing right the emotions are real you don't even have to do fantasy like you can just take the emotions that emerge around the table and decide to do something with that. And it will still be a great first draft for any story. We have a fun uh, hobby that is when we're driving in the car. It is to take some of our D&D team and just be like, oh, what if this was modern day Denmark? What what kind of people would they be if they were in a, you know, in a social if- drama? Yeah. What if these people were YouTubers? Yeah. <laughs> what then? What? <laughs> yeah, you know, just making AUs. AUs are like beautiful. I And I love that concept of just kind of taking the emotional beats and taking the character interactions. Because for me, comics are all about character dynamics. It's all about how people play off of each other and interact with each other. And that doesn't change. Like you can take that and put it in any setting and it's going to be amazing and D&D you know, is a place where you set aside time every week to figure out new character dynamics. Like, that's just fascinating to me. That's, that's, yeah. It's the best. It's the, it's hands down. It is so fun. You just get to be different people for fun every week. Hell yeah. I, I love the idea of taking your, your characters and placing them into different AUs because Tabletop can really bring that out, especially with there's so many different universes that you can play in. One of my my favorites that I've mentioned before is a universe called Monster of the Week, which is very much plays like an 80s or 90s serial drama where like you're playing like a like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer or things like that. 
or another one of my current faves is uh, Vampire the Masquerade, where it's set in modern day and it's dealing with those modern day problems, but you're still able to work through that. So even if like D&D and fantasy isn't necessarily your cup of tea, there are so many other tabletop games that you can get the same experience with. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like to it's really fascinating to work with other people but i do feel like there's a level of consent that you have to go through like if i that would be like my one point of caution when you're you're making a a campaign or you're making a game or something like that now you want to turn it into your own comic or your own narrative like i've just seen it so many times where like oh that person is who I used to be friends with that played that character. We're not friends anymore. And and now this is really awkward because I, their character is a permanent part of my comic. And what do I do about that? And, and so it's just, it takes a really special group of people to be able to like, kind of, are, are you cool with this? Can I take the character in this direction or should I write them out? Or ugh. so like, like with any kind of collaboration, I think it takes a lot of communication and, and, you know, being sensitive to issues like that. Yeah, the, 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 the whole group really needs to have some sort of buy-in to that because, like, and this isn't to scare anyone, but there has been, like, legal drama over certain things where people have had to just stop making their comics or, or, uh, sto- or stories because someone else in the party had a problem with it. And you can still take aspects from your campaign or inspiration from your campaign and bring that into other things. But if you're going to do a, a retelling of the same story with the same characters, you definitely need to get that consent. Agreed completely. And in that sense, it can really be a leap of faith to make something like this, right? Because you, you can't know. You can hope that the friendship lasts forever. But can you really be sure? But then again, webcomics is already kind of a leap of faith, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. And especially like uh, that leap of faith when webcomics take as long as they do, when they can take five to ten years or more, and you're still working with those same things. Like, there were, like, even if it's not like a, a catastrophic failure of the friendship, like, there are people that I was friends with and played D&D with in college that I'm not friends with anymore just because either aren't in touch. I don't know how they would feel if I still use their stories. And that can change over time. So that's it's it's definitely a, a leap of faith for sure. But it's fun and it's worth it. Oh, a thousand percent. Agreed. Ooh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's all us just nodding. Like, yeah, 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 no, do it. It's really good. What we did was just getting our friends on board. Yeah. So, you know, we, we keep, we're very good friends. So it's one of my childhood friends who played the Andre, the last character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever we like, whenever we do character designs, you know, we ask like, what do you think about this? How do you like this outfit? Uh, and like, ask for advice, like, oh, we're remaking this scene a bit. How does this dialogue sound like and feel like? Yeah. Because we have an expert. Yeah, we have an expert on the character. Like, every character comes with a free consultant. (laughs) How great is that? You don't get that very much. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, it's webcomic creation, I feel like. Comics creation in general can be such a lonely undertaking. But basing it on tabletop and, and basing it on what you do with your friends, 
that makes it much less lonely. It makes it into a social endeavor that you do together. And I love that. We always talk about how many hats web copy creators wear when they're making the comics. So any place you can use to to help alleviate that burden is is so important. Even And even if it's just hanging out with your friends once a week and getting out of your own head. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Yep. And in that case, I can also say... We already took a leap of faith by just making this comic as a duo. Yep. Because it's such a long webcomic that we're making. And how would we know if it ever became anything, right? This was... Was this before we were dating? No. Lots? No. Okay. We, we were dating. We <laughs> making the comic. <laughs> no, but we were playing the campaign. We were still playing the campaign, so we didn't know how it was ending. So, so it could be a shitty ending, but it was not. It's it, amazing. Hell yeah, I did good. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, Wayfinders as a story has has been uh, been with us since we were friends and then girlfriends, now wives. Now we have a kid with our third partner with three people dating. And that to me makes it just a thousand times more worth it to to keep this thing going because it's been with us this whole time. That kid is gonna grow up with this. Yeah, because it is, is gonna take ten years to make. I love yeah, me twenty. <laughs> I hope she likes it. <laughs> Always the risk. Proud of us. I think with that, that's a bacon cheddar wrap. Uh, I've been Brenny. Uh, you can find my work at kplast.com. And thank you so much, Nat and Q, for joining us this week. You're welcome. Thanks You're so welcome. much for having us. It was so much fun. And where can people where can people read Wayfinder? They can read it on Tapas and Webtoon. Yep. And they can figure out and they can find us on our website, snackbackstudios.com. And right. anywhere on the socials. Right? Yes. There's a lot of links on our website. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where we were. Go to the website. It's a good website. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, you went to the website? Whoa, shit. <laughs> yeah. and i've been delphina and you can find my work sambulus at sambulus.com oh fantastic thank you so much for joining us again and now uh roll initiative oh no <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to screen tones a webcomic podcast want to know some other ways to support us check out our ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash screentonescast where your support will help us create more episodes reach cool extra bonus goals and keep us talking about anything and everything webcomics you can also find us on twitter tumblr instagram and our discord server thank you so much for listening sharing rating and supporting and we'll see you next time